0: In Hello, and welcome to Savage Yoga Snacks, the podcast for freaks, geeks, outcasts of yoga, and our allies. I'm your host, Steph Savage, and today I'm going to talk to you about gurus. So, what exactly is a guru? Well, guru is a Sanskrit term that literally translates to mentor or expert. Far from what we would call a teacher, a guru is more of a spiritual guide, with the oldest references being found in Vedic texts of Hinduism. We see the idea of the guru popping up in Indian religions such as Jainism and Sikhism. In Sikhism, a guru means learner or one who removes the darkness. Sikhs learned about God through the teachings of Guru Nanak, and nine Sikh gurus who came after him. In the religions of India, gurus were honored teachers, religious figures, and saints. In the mid-1900s, there was an influx of gurus that came from India to Western Europe and the U.S., during the counterculture and anti-establishment period of the 1960s and 70s, gurus from many different faiths were establishing large followings of disenfranchised and disillusioned young people, fueled on by a cultural upheaval and a rejection of Western values. There is much debate among secular scholars and theologians regarding gurus and the role that they play within history and also in current events. There are even some that go so far as to suggest that gurus are, in fact, cult leaders, particularly here in the West. As a white Western yoga teacher, it's not my place to say one way or another. But what follows is my opinion based on my experiences with a guru, or at least with a person who thought of themselves as a guru. In our last episode, I touched on a very brief story with respect to a teacher who chose not to treat me with ahimsa or loving-kindness. Know that the following is based on my opinion of Western gurus, people who have chosen to claim expertise and the term guru, mainly for their ego and sometimes for profit. I have great respect for the word guru in its original context and as it relates to specific religious figures. No offense or harm is intended. Growing up, I watched a lot of cartoons, and one of my favorite cartoons was King of the Hill. King of the Hill was one of those shows that if you got it, you got it, and if you didn't, you probably didn't like it. It was a show with a dry, poignant view of American culture, and I loved it. Near the end of its run, In season 8, Hank, the main character, hurts his back. Hank visits his doctor and the doctor recommends yoga. Grudgingly, Hank agrees and visits a yoga studio in a nearby town. When Hank walks in, it's a very typical traditional white western yoga studio. The instructor is a white male between the ages of 30 and 40. He is dressed in spandex, And he has what can only be described as a mullet ponytail, a moanytail, a Tullet. Here stands Yogi Victor. Victor is rude, unsupportive, arrogant, and downright nasty. He hits on all of the female students, to the point where it makes Hank very uncomfortable. He only responds when you call him Yogi Victor, and he is visibly disgusted by Hank's body. He sells crappy merchandise, mostly of him on CDs making ocean noises, and on more than one occasion he is seen sucking in his stomach to impress his female students. Though Yogi Victor is never officially called a guru, it's pretty obvious he's not only a terrible yoga teacher but also an egomaniac. I don't think it's a secret that this character voiced by Johnny Depp was loosely based on a guru that you might have heard of. Bikram Chadhari was born in 1944. He immigrated to the United States in 1971, where he began to teach yoga. Opening a studio in Los Angeles, he began to teach a style of yoga that was all his own. Or so it seemed. Bikram was revered and was seen to many as a guru, though he would often behave in a manner that would suggest he was anything but. He was a known braggart and would go on and on about the women that he had slept with, the stars and celebrities that he knew and had taught yoga to. He was rude and arrogant, and there are many pictures depicting him speedo-clad standing on the backs of his students. In 2019, a documentary came out on Netflix that depicted a lot of the abuse and rampant narcissistic behavior of Bikram. Bikram's style of yoga was, funnily enough, called Bikram, but it goes by a different name today to disassociate itself from Bikram and his alleged crimes. The name of that style of yoga is hot yoga. I am not here to shame anyone for their choice of yoga class or style, but if you are someone who enjoys hot yoga, I strongly urge you to see the documentary and make a decision that feels right for you. Abuse in the guru and follower relationship is not rare. Another famous and tragic case is Jim Jones. Though Jim was not a yoga teacher, he did sometimes refer to himself as a guru. He was a prolific cult leader who killed over 900 people in what has come to be known as the Jonestown Massacre. History is filled with people who have claimed the status of guru and who have used and abused those who followed them. Circling back to my experience with a yoga teacher who certainly fits the toxic guru archetype. Like Victor Yogi, this teacher would never actually refer to himself as a guru, but all the signs are there, and I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 or 15 years he has a following of his own. Even when he was teaching at the studio I was at, he had a small following. Devotees who, for lack of better phrasing, drank the Kool-Aid. I would often see him paying special attention to certain female students, and it was only after he left the studio that we found out he was trying to sleep with almost every single one of them. Often he would be arrogant and rude, particularly if he felt he had more education or experience than you. This was not a man who lived by the principles of Ahimsa or according to the teachings of Patanjali. There is one thing that binds the people that I spoke about in this podcast and many other would-be and so-called gurus who do harm upon others. And that is ego. Each of the people spoken of in this podcast and who have been called out for toxic and misogynistic and abusive behaviors typically have an inflated sense of ego. In yoga... This is related to the five kleshas, or the five afflictions. Klesha is a Sanskrit word that roughly translates to poison or affliction. These are damaging behavioral patterns and mental thoughts, seen within the yogic tradition as the cause of all suffering and pain. The five kleshas are avidya, or ignorance, asmita, or ego, Raga, attachment, dvesha, also known as repulsion or aversion, and finally avinivesha, fear of death. Asmita, or ego, is the second klesha. We can sometimes manufacture an image of what we want to be and what we believe we are, but this image is not actually real. It's not us. It's what we wish we were. We can become afflicted with ego when we are invested in impermanence. Things like money, status, the way we look, the way we dress. Sounds familiar. Our spiritual growth is stunted and our judgment becomes clouded. The obsession with the self becomes paramount. And not only can we do extreme harm to ourselves, in the case of the aforementioned, quote, gurus, we can do profound harm to others. To quote Swami Sivananda Radha, After the demands of the ego and its greed surrendered, the struggle for fulfillment of personal desires lessens. Life takes on a new zest, like a breath of fresh air. And now it's time for a yoga snack to get you through to your next coffee break. Today's exercise comes to us from Agna Yoga College from one of my yoga therapy courses. This exercise is meant to help with the second klesha, asmita, or the ego. What follows is a series of questions. Feel free to pause here and grab a pen and paper to write down your thoughts, or, Take a moment to ponder each question. Before we begin, feel free to write down all of the different roles and identities you take on in your daily life. First question, is there someone who you cannot forgive? Second question, is there someone who challenges your ability to love unconditionally? Third question, are you unable to love a criminal, a person who is unhoused, a liberal, conservative, someone from a different religious background, meat eaters, vegans, smokers, military leaders, someone with drastically different opinions and views to your own? Can you already hear your mind self-justifying your own beliefs? What would happen if you let down your mental justifications and you decided to love? Can you take a moment and extend some love to those people? Can you feel how this may bring you closer to your true self, to wisdom, peace, and a clearer understanding? Now take a moment and think of your own personal yoga practice. How many times does your ego try to surface? Next time you get on your mat or meditate, notice the quality of your yoga practice when you come from the ego and then when you come from a state of understanding and ahimsa. And from there, see if you can bring that understanding and loving kindness off your mat. And that's all the time we have for today, friends. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, if your next yoga teacher only wants to answer to Yogi Victor, run in the opposite direction. And as always, stay weird.